Welcome to Interlocutor Interviews. I'm Tyler Nessler, the founder of Interlocutor Magazine, which features in-depth coverage of creators, thinkers, performers, and artists of all types. You can check us out online at interlocutorinterviews.com. And if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up to be a subscriber or contributor via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. So today I have with me Jenny Wu, whose work acknowledges the sensational and perceptual properties of materiality and then transforms the materials from their original forms and purpose to present them within new contexts. So hello, Jenny. How are you? I'm good. Good. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, So you currently have a solo show. It's up right now and running through March 8th at um, Morton Fine Art in Washington, D.C. It's called I.O. And I wanted to start off by mentioning that I've read that titles play a really important role in your practice. Um, In some cases, kind of, you know, humorously, um, mirroring your your creative process because you cut and rearrange layered materials, um, and so some of your some of the current titles of your pieces are like too heavy to carry to the British Museum. Seventy <laughs> <laughs> um, year old intern waiting for his first real job. Uh, hello to that one person who nods along encouragingly during presentations. <laughs> So I also read that you um, you sourced many of your titles from Twitter, um, including from Trump up until up until 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, could you talk a little bit about the title of, of this particular show, I.O.? What's what's its origin and, and meaning to you? Yes. So this title. Um, so I knew I had the show upcoming for quite a while and then I was just subconsciously thinking about what I want to title the show. Um, so I'm not sure you, like native as a native speaker of English language or any other language you speak or your audience, um, there's there are moments when you realize that you don't actually understand the rules of your own native language until huh. you 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 just do it you just say it every day until maybe like someone points it out to you or mm-hmm. until you have to explain something to um someone who does not speak your language right. so that happened to me so i follow this tiktoker uh her name her tiktoker name is uh called fake yi zhang zui she is from um china same hometown as i am so one video i saw she said like oh in nanjing china you only need to remember one phrase and then that can um help you express all kinds of feelings yeah and then she went down to give <laughs> examples like this phrase is ayo <laughs> and then if you are uh surprised ayo if your body yeah. hurts ayo wow. or if something bad happened ayo and then if you're like relieved ayo and then she gave like 10 examples and that's the first time I realized that that phrase I've been using almost my entire life has so much power. Yeah. That's like a really um, like shocking, but like, of course I should know, but I did not know. So after I uh, watched that video, that phrase kind of stuck to me in a in a new way. Every time I use it, 
I'm become more aware of exactly what emotion I am having, what uh, expression I'm trying to give out when I use that phrase. Yeah. So when it comes to the title of my art exhibition, um, I want something that's abstract. Um, I want the title to be both open and 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 also specific. Um, I also wanted to. People who are not from China, people who are not from my hometown, people who don't know the way I use that phrase in ten, twenty different ways. I'm sure、yeah. like, you can pronounce it when you see those four letters together.、Um, maybe you have like different feelings, different emotions when you say it or hear it. So I really like the idea of a title that's very abstract, that's very、um, that can cover a lot of different emotions. Yeah, well, it's a really multi-purpose、uh, phrase. <laughs> I love it.、Um, I can't even think of like an equivalent in English quite that can express you know both good and bad. You know, I and, think maybe the、yeah. F word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. probably. But like, I always, yeah, I you know, kids can use it too. So it's、uh, <laughs> not you know <laughs>、yeah. F word. Maybe there's some people don't don't feel comfortable saying in public, but I you you can say in any context all the time. Yeah, very flexible. I love it. Yes. <laughs> So you were born in、uh, Nanjing,、mm-hmm. yes. And is that also where you grew up? Yes, I was born there, and I、uh, lived there for eighteen years. Never moved. Wow. Okay. And then, did you come to the U.S. at the age of eighteen? Then yes. Yes. Okay. Did you come for school? Yes, for college. Okay. William Smith College in Upstate New York. Okay. Well, so what was that transition like for you?、Um, the transition for me, people often ask me, "What's the transition moving from from China to the U.S.?" For me, it's more about moving from a big city to a much smaller town. So、mm. that was the quite of a cultural shock for me. Yeah, I can imagine how how big is Nanjing? Eight million people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably not. I mean, it's up there with like probably one of the biggest populated cities in China. But China has some gigantic cities. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, how would you say that your just your your cultural background and heritage and influence your work? I would say that growing up in a big city with eight million, eight million people, for me, everyday life. Is the balance of order and chaos. So I always、right. remember, like going out. My family, we didn't have a car, so we always go out on like public transportation, going on buses.、Um, I remember my mom pointed out that in, no matter where you are going to the city, like anywhere, two places in the city, you only need to transfer the bus once max. Huh. So that was like <laughs> I heard it as a kid. And I didn't really quite. I couldn't really process that. And then as I'm growing up, and slowly, like, wow, that's really some crazy city planning. Like, how would you <laughs>、right. plan anywhere you want to go? You transfer the bus once maximum, and you, they can take you there. Interesting. Like that. That's insane to me. That the、yeah. whole concept is. Yeah. Definitely different than the public transit landscape in the U.S. It's quite different, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of gave you—I、um, don't know—like a sense of how to really 
comprehensively uh, approach create creative works like in, in in a way of thinking of like connecting pieces and maybe uh, that subconsciously but also maybe it just like the busy life pe- pieces keep moving everything's moving all the time right um i also i am a restless person i just cannot yeah. <laughs> stop moving i mean we're on zoom right now like my hands is like doing all kinds of dance over here um <laughs> so I think that also played into how I research within the art context, how I just like keep messing with stuff, how I, um, like as a kid, I, we had like Lego sets. And the one thing I would never do is follow the Lego set and build (laughs) what is supposed to, you're supposed to do it on the cover of, of the box. Yeah. You're like I'm not going to be limited. I'm like no, anything but this exactly. <laughs> well, you'd said that. Um, I'm just quoting you. Uh, you could never sit still when growing up, and so your mother found an alternative method to make you sit still, which was classical art lessons. <laughs> and so the, those lessons built a foundation that that you said have led to your current cross disciplinary practice in painting, sculpture, installation, video, and participatory projects so you kind of almost like had i I, you know this is like not a formal diagnosis but almost like adhd right (laughs) um i yeah i guess we i mean (laughs) my mom never took me to the doctor and say hey does she have adhd but as an adult i i don't know i I, at this point i almost don't want to find out i because it's it's working (laughs) it's working my hyper energy is working so yeah you don't you don't want to mess with it exactly yeah keep it the way it is it's fine Well, how did the art lessons help kind of focus you? It's interesting because like they focused you, but you still were really cross-disciplinary. Did that become an issue in in the classical art lessons? Did they want you to kind of focus on one specific form or what was the situation like with that? Um, Yeah, I guess the answer to your question is is yes, there are definitely issues. So my mom's plan... It kind of worked. I also kind of backfired. Um, so the, those classical art lessons I would do as a kid is I would go to the teacher's home. He had a home studio. And then each lesson is, is three hours long. I think it's like 1 to 4 p.m. or like 9 to noon a.m. And we'll sit there and then draw um, usually like still life or paint still life. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I still find a way to get into like not really big trouble, but like, I'll find ways to like, for example, if we're like painting still life, I will like find out how much an apple I can buy in the back without affecting my view of painting it. Just those like harmless shenanigans, huh. um, you know, get constantly getting up. Like I'm going to go sharpen my pencil and the teacher couldn't say anything. So um, it kind of worked in a way that it gave me a very solid foundation for approaching art, approaching painting in a very formal way. So like how to mix colors, how to render this object so it looks three-dimensional on paper, um, how how does proportion, the composition work. But at the same time, I found myself continue to be restless and keep like getting to small troubles. Um, 
I, uh, you know, take toys apart at home, those kind of things. So I think it's those lessons that I did as a kid and also continue to develop my artistic voice later. Right. I realized that I don't have a lot of like genius ideas, but I have the patient to follow my dumbest ideas all the way to the end of the earth. <laughs> that is my that is my power. That's a good power. That's a good superpower to have. Yes. I would say. Well, yeah, you've said that like you're es- essentially with your work, you're you're trying to in- embody linear time and repetitive processes. And it seems like with the with the um solid, you know, classical art lesson foundations and all these different um aspects of uh art um forms then that gave you that foundation but then you're able to play around you know you have a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. with that solid foundation um so how would you say that your work directly you said that acknowledges the sensational and perceptual properties of materiality and then transforms the materials from their original forms and and purpose to present them in new contexts mm-hmm. So I will just describe my work first. Um, I think it's best for if you're listening, go to my website or Modern Fine Art to see those images. That's probably better than listen to me describing. Yeah, my and work. actually, I want to mention that um, for the podcast, um, uh, I'm going to put up a, a page on the magazine Interlocutor Magazine website. Okay, uh, with a link okay. to the um, Morton Fine Art Show, the IO page. Uh, link to your website. So yeah, people listening can have a visual reference. Okay. So once you see those images, um, so what you're seeing is dried, layered, Mm -hmm. latex paint cut to expose the cross section and then cut down further to smaller pieces. Yeah. Then assembled, glued onto a wood panel and then coated in resin okay so that's my description (laughs) of what you're seeing on your screen um so so what i do is i pour latex paint onto um a flat surface like a really thick coat of it thicker than you would paint your um house yeah and then when that first layer completely dries i would then for a second layer mm-hmm. and then wait for that to dry. And then I will pour another layer <laughs> and then for wait for that to dry. How long and is then, the drying time usually for each um, of these layers? It I think on average a, a few days. It really mm-hmm. depends on how thick each layer is. It depends on the temperature, the humidity of the room. But I would say on average a couple of days minimum for each layer to dry. Wow. Yeah. So the these are long processes just initially. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's very, it's like, like it, it almost reminds me of like growing basil in the summer. Like, yeah, you plant some and then you like, you know, water it. And then a month later you get something. It's not like an immediate um, process. Yeah. And is that kind of a satisfying process for you that, the, you know, the, 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 you know, well, you have to have a lot of patience for it and then you can kind of slowly see it unfold. 
Yeah, yeah. So my favorite part is always after, um, after the paint is about maybe like three quarters of an inch thick, mm-hmm. and then I would take the whole slab of paint. It, it became pretty heavy. I take the whole thing out and then cut it with the, an exacto knife mm-hmm. to see the cross section for the very first time. That's always like very satisfying. <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's like when the seeds you planted have finally exactly. germinated. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so um so after I cut them, I cut to expose the cross section, I'll cut further strips and then um glue them onto the wood panel. So the whole process is I'm turning liquid paint in the in a bucket. Mm-hmm. into something that's like solid and more tangible. Right. Yeah. And much heavier too. Yeah, no, I can imagine. And then and the you when you're cross when you're cutting these cross sections, um I've read that you know the you you view that as so you're kind of juxtaposing order and chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got the consistent order of the paint from, you know, the old to new and then the the, the the imperfections and the differences and the thicknesses um but then it seems like you're would you say you're kind of in your end goal if you if you think of it in that sense you're trying to unite the these differences and present sort of a as you've as you've written a, a systematic imagery basically mm-hmm. yeah so when <clears throat> i uh glue those smaller pieces onto the wood panel there's always some sort of system in mm-hmm. there, whether it's like lots of triangles forming a hexagon, repeating hexagon pattern, or sometimes they're a linear pattern, sometimes more grid, but it's always following a specific pattern within each work. And what what influences the the patterns, your your choice of what kind of patterns you you're going for? Is it just sort of uh, random? Or- not really. So the early on those works I've made 2016, 17, those times, um, those patterns are directly uh following a brick wall pattern. Okay. So in 2016, that time someone wanted to build a wall be- between US and Mexico. So that was my oh. uh direct response to that. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. And then eventually, over the years, the pattern became less about just the brick wall pattern, but more about other ways I can incorporate math and art together. So hmm. I think one of my favorite is hexagon. I think that's just a very beautiful shape visually and mathematically. Yeah. Well, yeah, this leads into, I was going to ask you about that series. You'd call it the wall series starting mm-hmm. in 2016. And uh looks like you made works all the way through 2020. And um, yeah, so you were working with a, with a more specific kind of uh, template for the, the shapes because you were kind of trying to, um, you know, uh, present this wall, you know, like images of wall mm-hmm. and what that means. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And so then this new series though is a little bit different in that it's not it's not commenting on anything, one thing in particular. Right. The newer series, it's um so I the titles of my work before 
December 31st, 2020, all directly came from one specific person's tweet. Yeah. That person who wanted to build a wall. So <laughs> right. that's that. And then after that, I thought like, okay, this person will be out of office soon, you know, 20 more days in office. Maybe I should, I should, I should move on for my mental health as well. Yeah. So I decided to broaden uh, my inspiration for the titles. So I think one of the works in the type in the currently on view at Morden Fine Art right now, it's called um, 70-year-old intern waiting for his first real job. <laughs> yeah. So that was made in um, fall of 2022. So I'll leave it to you and the audience to guess who in specific I'm referring to. Who is that 70-year-old intern waiting for his first real job? <laughs> hmm. No guesses? I'll give a hint. Uh, Queen <laughs> Elizabeth related. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, right. so some titles yeah. come in you know, commenting on those things. Um, yeah, there's yeah. another one called Regularly Exceed Expectations. Uh-huh. And that one is about so many industries that um, expect workers to regularly exceed expectations, but without any additional reward or uh, anything. So yeah. especially during the pandemic, people realize that maybe that's not worth it. Maybe that's not sustainable. So yeah. my titles, they're, I would say 2020 before that, the titles are really directly political. Um, mm-hmm. The titles are now, they're still political, but in a more subtle way. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and 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 they're humorous too. Yes, I mean. I, yeah. <laughs> Too heavy to carry to the British Museum. What what was that from? Um, that tweet <laughs> is supposed is directly referring to the pyramids. Oh. <laughs> but when I, I saw it. it, you know, could be the Grey Wall, could be so many other things as well. Yeah. <laughs> and then hello to that one person who nods along encouragingly during presentation. We all we've all seen that person yes we all seen that person i want to be that person um in my senior year in college i gave this talk to just practice my you know to overcome my nervousness when i speak in front of audience i have mm-hmm. this like tiny pointer on my like regular point regular size pointer on my on my hand and then i was pointing at the screen behind me and a little bit shake on the hand <laughs> it's two feet away, two feet wide on the screen. So I was really shaking my hand. Um, so I'm trying to, I mean, I'm getting better now, but also I'm trying to look for that person, look for that friendly face that's really encouragingly nodding their heads during presentations. But also I will be that person for whomever <laughs> seems nervous when they're talking as well. Be like, yes, you're doing great. <laughs> you bet it. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah, so note to anybody who might ever catch Jenny doing a lecture, (laughs) be encouraging, be that person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so let's see, you know, I I actually hadn't planned on asking you about, um, you have have a whole series of videos that that you've done, um, that you did during uh, Trump's reign. That or are really kind of like uh, I, I did watch some of them. They're they're all you know like caught up where just him saying specific phrases. Mm-hmm. 
and um i watched a few or i watched like as much as i could stand (laughs) a few (laughs) last night and started to almost get ptsd but but, i mean they're really effective and 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 like funny just because you know of, of just the you know the you know kind of repetitive and empty things that he says mm-hmm. over and over again and those videos must have taken forever to do right i can imagine um, actually not no? um <laughs> i so, guess not hard not hard to find him saying those phrases over and over again right so it's um so you so you're referring to the videos um I think I made five from 2016 to 2021. Mm-hmm. The very first one, it's called Wall, 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 yeah. Wall. <laughs> right. um, it, it's like a 40, I think it's like 42 second video of him saying just the word wall at different uh, rallies, events, interviews, um, right. just different like venues. Um, so I had, I, I had an idea when he's constantly saying like, oh, I'm going to build a wall, you know, stop the immigrants, blah, blah, blah. So it was really, I was really upset. I was worried about my own safety. I was mm-hmm. angry. I had so many emotions. Uh, I'm sure you can relate to, other people can relate to as well. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to make a video just to point out how absurd it is thinking that building a wall in this day and age can actually stop people crossing the border and then can someone can actually blame all the challenges and issues that we face in this country on immigrants right i'm an immigrant i think that's like really um it's like traumatizing experience just to listen to that so i wanted to make a video of him just saying one put them together with um no no editing yeah and no you know no special effects no nothing um but the time i would spend to collect those videos is very long and i thought it was important that this video is made within that year um, mm. I don't think it will be effective. Like my current paintings, if I, you know, if I finish one in two years, it probably would not be a very big difference. But for that video, it really had to happen mm-hmm. right then. So I was collecting them and it's very time consuming. Um, so this uh this dumb idea <laughs> came to my mind, like what do American manufacturers do when when you know we're looking for cheaper labor sources? Yeah. Outsource them to other countries. Um, so I did that. I found this video production person in Bangladesh. Oh wow! Um, so I you know researched the where he lives, the cost of living, and I convert that to U.S. dollars. So what I pay him the hourly wage is much lower than what i would have paid someone based in the u.s but what what he's getting paid from me it's higher much higher than what he would get paid doing the same work in that economy and that one so that was basically part of this series Right. So, yeah. So I just asked him to 
okay, go find all kinds of YouTube videos, whatever you can find, and then find those clips and then, you know, number, you know, title them and then put them in the Dropbox for me. <laughs> so he, what he did was the collecting part. I was the person still edited the video. I put it together. Okay. Um, but it was very important that I did hire an assistant and I did hire an assistant who is based in Bangladesh because yeah. that became part of the commenting on I'm a, I'm an immigrant, but I'm not here to steal your job. I'm also outsourcing my job to another country. Yeah. Wow. Well, no, I'm I'm actually glad that I asked you about these videos now because there's that extra dimension that I didn't even realize. Um, yeah. Um, people who are listening, if you uh, like, I said I'm going to link to Jenny's site, and this is under the video work section. And so, yeah, it's not just wall, but there's also um, this video of him just saying, you know, you know, you know, over and over again, and also illegal. Yep. <laughs> And then great, 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 great. great. Everything's great, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the other one is, uh, believe me. Oh, believe me. <laughs> believe me. Yeah. These are, these are like, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I felt like, yeah, they gave me bad flashbacks, but especially when you did them, I think they would have been weirdly funny and cathartic to watch too. Cause it kind of, you know, just uh, magnifies kind of, you know, the absurdities of yes, yes. his speaking style and the, you know, the emptiness of his rhetoric and all right. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, so you've also done, I wanted to get into some of your installation works. Um, and you have this series, uh, let's see, called self Is- Self-Isolation Isolating Self from 2021 at uh, mm-hmm. Fred Schneider Gallery, mm-hmm. Gallery of Art in Arlington, Virginia. And I can't say I've ever seen, um, you know, installation or sculptural pieces that use cassette tape. That was a primary, um, uh, basically, uh, you know, like the thing that you use to create these, right? You had, mm-hmm. you had these draped down cassette tapes. It was made of cassette tapes, wood, wire and fishing line um so what attracted you to the use of of analog tape first of all as as mediums for these installations um so those installations that i made um how i got cassette tape was also kind of random um Mm -hmm. it was not something i really thought about like okay i really need to get cassette tapes and make those things i was just given 3,000 cassette tapes What? <laughs> by a very random chance. Um, and I held on to them for a few months. I just don't want to throw them away, but also I don't know, don't know what to do with them. Um, the more I'm staring at those boxes and boxes of cassette tapes, the more I'm starting thinking, start to think what is the relationship of me and the cassette tapes right right now Mm -hmm. in 2023 or even like in the past 15 years i don't think i ever put a cassette tape in in the (laughs) player and play it anymore did you even still have a cassette player i don't i (laughs) i don't i know i don't even have like a dvd player none of those um but i remember very clearly when i was a child i had this 
cassette tape. Um, I don't remember the exact content, but I remember it was like theme songs and music from one of the cartoons I watch. Hmm. Um, and one day I put I put it in a player, and then the the tape got like intertwined in the player, therefore right. destroyed that cassette tape, and I was so upset. <laughs> I remember I was legit crying. I guess the concept of, of the buying another one did not occur to my tiny brain back then. <laughs> but I remember that memory so clearly of how precious this thing was. Like as if that's the only physical copy of music ever existed on earth. But now I'm thinking, okay, here's all those cassette tapes. People's reactions like why why not why is not everything digital right so i thought about yeah. how how technology has transformed even with my own lifetime how oh, 3.5 yeah. 3. inch floppy disk used to hold what like 1.4 megabytes of uh, of <laughs> data right that's not even one photo yeah. on my phone right now it just it's it's insane yeah um, so i want to use those cassette tape to think about not them as something to hold audio, but something that we experience and something we make memories of. Um, okay. So I don't want to put them in like very precious um, on a, on a pedestal and make it very precious. I want to almost in a ways to like, destroy them and also preserving them at, at the same time it's almost like a one last hurrah <laughs> so yeah. I put them i usually uh suspend them from the ceiling um but leaving space in the middle so it's the one you mentioned at the fred schneider gallery in arlington virginia mm -hmm. so that one is like a, a rectangular frame with the cassette tape going from floor to ceiling Right. And you can physically enter the rectangular space. Yeah. And sometimes I will use a circle. Sometimes I use multiple circles. But I do want people to be able to get into that space and then to play it one last right. time. Pun intended. Yeah. I love. <laughs> oh, well, I had noticed that they, they, you know, like just looking at the photos on your site, um, they did seem to, I mean, they, they seemed created to encourage interaction interactivity with the mm -hmm. material and but i love i love this idea of playing with them and playing them one last time mm -hmm. um yeah and then you know i i think i i you know we don't really have we don't really have like physical media anymore you know mm -hmm. like you know there's no most people don't i mean people obviously collect vinyl and still collect physical media but most consumers of media now is just completely in the cloud it's in right. it's digital there's no there's no materiality to it at right. all yeah you know and you kind of i in some ways i feel like you know it becomes uh your relationship to media changes because you don't have anything tangible related to what you're consuming mm -hmm. so yeah that's kind of a cool approach to um you know bring that back to people and then remind them of you know how also how recently a lot of this tech was 
Right. You know, it's not that. Takes, yeah. Yeah. It's not that long time ago. And my favorite part is always watching um, usually kids, like younger mm-hmm. little kids and their parents. You probably parents, have never even seen tape. Before. Right. Parents like, <laughs> oh, remember those? This is what we used to listen to music. And the kids, it's like completely, this is like a very foreign idea. Like, what do you mean? How is this? They, some oh. kids call it a brown silly string. And it's like, <laughs> how, like, they just could not comprehend the idea. Like, what do you mean? This physical thing that looks like silly string. Yeah. Music, like, what? <laughs> And the parents start getting like nostalgic. Oh, you know, you know, we use you know cassette tape, and then sometimes yeah. people make make like mixtape, even CDs. Like kids, little kids probably have not really seen them at all. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you might ever do anything with CDs? I don't know. I think <laughs> if I the 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 element that really draw me to the cassette is how delicate that material is um when i install it in a room in a room you know when it's indoors we don't really see wind right. but once i put a cassette tape in that room even though nobody's moving doors are closed windows are closed i actually start to see the subtle airflow in that room yeah that's wow. always fascinating to see yeah yeah, you're you're seeing kind of under invisible undercurrents that you're not even right. consciously sensing. Yeah. Um well one of these was outside too, right? I think I think I saw yes. the photos yeah. of one that was outside. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> one of those outside. And I think nature got to it. It was <laughs> I think like wind was too strong. It it uh, um it did not last the whole duration of the exhibition. <laughs> How long was it supposed to last? Oh, Do you remember? I think it was supposed to be maybe three months. And then it lasted beyond the reception. And then there was a big storm. Mm-hmm. And I think nature decided it's time. And I said, okay, I'm not going to fight against you. Yeah. I love it. Well, I can, I can see the relationship, you know, but with the, you know, with this analog tape, uh, these installations with just kind of what you're going for overall with kind of, presenting material materiality mm-hmm. you know in new contexts and you know kind of getting people to perceive them in different ways um or you know think of their utility in ways that they've you know forgotten about basically mm-hmm. um and another really fascinating thing that you've done is you you've incorporated you had an installation called the alternative alternative sniff test mm-hmm. at <laughs> That was that was back, quite a while ago, back in 2015 at uh, yes. Katzen Katzen Museum in yes, DC. Yes, Katzen Museum in DC. Yeah. Yeah. So these these incorporated um, it, it scented wax melts, plastic bottles, string, and polyester batting. Mm-hmm. And so I I had to ask you about this because what was your inspiration for that? And these were also obviously you know encouraging people to to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what is, is this referencing anything in terms of like a smell test or, uh, what was your overall kind of thematic approach with this? So around that time, I was interested in art. Um, not only you can see it like visually, mm-hmm. but also something you could touch and experience 
hence the you know those cassette tape things um i you know the next phase is like what if art you can sniff or smell so um that's why i was thinking about something i can find has different smells and then different colors mm-hmm. so um scented wax melts it just emerged itself as one of the mediums i could use so for that work i put different small pieces of uh scented wax melts in transparent plastic bottles and those are also suspended from the ceiling mm-hmm. and they came to maybe like like if you know a person like their nose level or lower so like not too high that you cannot reach right. i do have a really one tall friend i knew he was gonna come to my show so i put <laughs> one really really tall and when he got there, I was like chris that one's for you nobody else <laughs> can sniff it that one's for you so but most is very accessible for the you know general public yeah um so i want people to to think about those colors that we see and those colors that that we smell because when manufacturers make those scented uh, wax melt they are essentially assigning a color to a scent yeah. or a scent assigning a scent to a color <laughs> or both i want people to really see this color see this pink what do you think it should smell like and yeah. then in you and people are welcome to go and sniff it and then like does that meet your expectations is that something that's surprising well you know it it, it really is as if you're creating like an experience of synesthesia for mm-hmm. people yeah who don't yeah. have it you know i mean i i've always found that phenomenon fascinating people who can you know smell colors mm-hmm. you know or or are they'll you know they'll see they'll see a color based off of like a word you know it's just um, really interesting. Did you have anybody um, who actually has synesthesia? Um, Not that I know the, personally. Because <laughs> that would have been interesting how they would have yeah. they would have reacted to it, right? Yeah. Um. So, what was what was the outcome of that? Ultimately, it, it looked like it was just a lot of fun for people. Yeah, I think yeah. people. Um, so I had like that was part of my MFA thesis show. Oh, okay. So two out of three of my works for my thesis show, people are invited to touch and interact. Um, I think the general outcome is people find it really interesting that they actually in the museum space that they're told like, "Hey, go touch this art," but <laughs> now right. like, "Ma'am, please step back. You're too close to the painting." Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's good because unfortunately, like in most settings like galleries and museums, you're there you, there's you know these invisible barriers, you know. You're not you're you're not allowed to actually interact with the art. Yeah. Um but it's funny that like my current the my uh sculptural paintings that I make right now, they're not meant to be touched or interacted with. Um not with hands, with eyes only. So yeah. it was at the opening <laughs> this Saturday. I think um, I heard someone said, oh, I want to lick them, but I promise <laughs> I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, just, well, you know, I've only seen them digitally, unfortunately. Um, 
and but just looking at them they they seem so tactile you know mm-hmm. like yeah I, I i i could tell that they're they're works that i would want to touch <laughs> at least you know feel the texture of you yep. know um yeah uh you know with olfactory um elements to art were were there any i've actually never thought of this but um is there is that like a genre of art like olfactory art were there any predecessors that you were thinking of or any artists who work in that medium that inspired this um i think in the phillips collection there is like one wax room hmm. that something came to mind something that's not just visual um but actually in it's like very it's it's a very small space um maybe like three people can fit in there if it's not really crowded and that that's something that i saw and i can't experience like the visual I mean, for me, that particular visual, it's not as exciting as the scent. It was mm-hmm. a room full of wax, and then they look like wax on a wall. But like the scent, the subtlety of the scent was really um, intriguing to me. Interesting. Okay. Well, finally, I, I wanted to talk about, you have this ongoing project called Art, Art for the People, correct? Mm-hmm. That you started uh, in 2014. And so... I'm just quoting what's on your site. Uh, you say how this project works. Um, you receive a tiny art from me <laughs> and you display it however you wish. You photograph it and email it back and then you display all the photographs. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then also, it, so these look like little stacks of books, most of them to me. Um, so they're laid out, made out of um, latex paint, mm-hmm. scotch mounting squares, paper, Ziploc bag, which I guess is what they they're sent in, right? Mm-hmm. And then with, but they're the, the dimensions are variable, but they're pretty tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, did you mean them? Or did, was that just me, my perception? Because they look like stacked books. To they me. are um, dried latex paint. <laughs> <laughs> they're the same thing I'm using for my um on the latex paint on wood panel they're exact same materials i love it so they're they're just little slices of of your larger works then yes so they this this series actually this um ongoing project actually came before the current work i'm making oh interesting so this i started in 2014 around that time um, I was, you know, playing in my studio, experimenting with different medium and different process. Um, that's when I discovered if I pour paint on the surface and then repeat, let it dry, repeat that several times, uh-huh. I can actually get like really thick slab of paint. Um, but at that time, I discovered like a pouring drying process and I have all those paint in my hand but I don't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. so my dumb idea is like let other people figure it out (laughs) so um (laughs) I just cut it up to small cubes they are maybe the size like of your fingernail they're really tiny um so I put them in small ziploc bag uh, with the instructions to like install and then for email it to me, install photograph and email to me. So that's when I started giving those things away to people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
two things I was thinking about it. One was uh, Felix Gonzalez Torres. His uh, I think it's called Untitled in parentheses Port of Ross, which I saw that piece in Chicago. It's like a pile of candies in the museum, huh. just in the corner. Huh. And visitors are actually invited to take a piece of candy with them when they go see that work. Right. So that the first time I saw that in Chicago, I was it was another really like what <laughs> can you yeah. do that? Like I was really like making eye contact with a security guy, like I'm taking it. Is this okay? And then they just like, ignore me because that's you know it's it's meant <laughs> for that. Um. So I was thinking about that piece, the the candy piece. I was also thinking about um the artist Xu Bing. His work called Art for the People. Mm. Um, if your audience, if you don't know, you can just Google Xu Bing, X-U-B-I-N-G, Art for the People. It's essentially combining Chinese language and English. Huh. Um, because, you know, the idea of art is for the people. So I titled my work Art for the People too. But the, how I spelled two is the, the is the pronunciation of the two. So that's either it could be art for the people T-O-O or art for the people 2.0 kind of two. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. So I was just at, uh, starting 2014, I was packing, packaging those little things and give to people and then just tell them like, hey, install anywhere you want, as long as legal and safe. I don't care what to do with them. And if you'd be so kind to email me a photograph, you know, I would like to see how you, what to do with them. And there's a lot too. There's a lot. Yeah. I, that was, yeah. that's what started me with the layering latex paint and cutting. And then that, this particular work eventually led to the, the wall series I was making from 2016 to yeah. 2020. And then what I do is when I make my, sculptural paintings the leftover of those dried latex paint i then package them and then give people give them to people <laughs> away so this whole like a inspired b but now b is feeding back to a this whole cycle oh it's beautiful of yeah, how it's like, like this my whole, work whole is, is like yeah it's like inspiring each other and then feeding off each other that's great yeah no you know i i i I would not have guessed that, uh, you know, what you were originally doing with this, um, you know, interactive series art, art for the people. So is it, do you print, do you call it art for the people too? Mm -hmm. I call it actual, art for the people too. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I saw the pronunciation, but I'm like, I, I didn't, didn't know what that was exactly. So that's literally part of the, of the title, but yes. Yeah. So all of this, uh, inter interactivity with the work um led you to this basically to what you've done for well first with the wall series and now with io mm -hmm. um and then even though people can't you know the, they're not allowed to officially touch <laughs> the work um you're still you know it's still interactive because you're you're you said that you're taking the, kind of the refuse the leftovers and still sending sending them to people to do their own thing with Yes, yes. Yeah. So if people are, if you're really bored one day, you can <laughs> compare the pictures of uh, photographs from Art for the People 2 to my sculptural paintings. You will actually find the same color combination. 
<laughs> I love it. Yeah. Somebody, somebody should do that. Put all the pieces together. <laughs> Became yeah. like, oh, these are from this work, and then these three match that. <laughs> that would be fascinating to find out if, like, yeah, what what patterns might emerge yeah. <laughs> from that or things like that. Yeah, I love it. All right, so let's see. Um, just to wrap things up again, I wanted to remind listeners that the show IO is is up through March eighth, correct? Yes, At March eighth. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um also is is that by appointment only or is it is it open during regular out like does uh, it have by appointment only okay so you just have yeah. to contact the gallery yes okay yeah again i'll include a link to the to the uh the gallery site and the exhibition for the podcast and then there will also be an embedded player too um so you can play the podcast around the page if you want as well um so yeah uh well it was great talking with you jenny um, and also thanks to those of you out there listening, you can check out the online edition of Interlocutor Magazine at interlocutorinterviews.com and check for updates on Instagram. It's at interlocutor.interviews. And once again, if you're a fan of our arts coverage, you can sign up uh, to be a subscriber or throw a few bucks our way via Patreon. Just click on the Patreon link on our site. And I'll be back soon with another Interlocutor Interviews podcast episode. And once more, thank you, Jenny. Yeah, thank you so much for having me here, Tyler. I will mail you some little cubes. Oh, please do. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I will send you back. I'll, I'll, think, I'll think creatively of what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's great. Because I don't think I'm going to be able to see these, you know, like the, the IO um pieces in person unfortunately so this could be at least some some way for me to interact yeah. with the <laughs> all right well, i look forward to it <laughs> <laughs>